Hello, my name is Gary Baumgarten, but I expect you already know that, and I welcome you to my latest podcast. Well, you know, there's that old saying, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. I don't know whether that actually applies to what I'm about to talk to you about, but I've been distressed over how good intentions have had unintended consequences. And I don't know how we as a society can balance what I'm about to discuss out. Let me first say, I reject the partisan political observations that are made about what I'm about to talk about. I don't think that the people who proposed these policies had bad intentions. I don't believe that any party got together and said, let's cause there to be havoc on the streets of our cities. I don't think anybody wanted criminals to be released from prison with the intent of them killing people, but it has happened. And the most striking example of that is the one that just occurred in Virginia, in Alexandria. You may have heard the story. A rape suspect was released from jail because there were fears that he might catch the coronavirus. Now, you might say on the surface, well, this is a terrible policy, and maybe in retrospect it is, and certainly in this case, it was a bad policy. I have heard the other side. I actually interviewed an advocate for inmates who made a pretty persuasive argument about how nonviolent criminals could be released from the prisons, which had been and probably still are cesspools of the COVID. But he was arguing for the release of nonviolent criminals. In this case, over the objection of the prosecutors, the judge ordered the release of Ibrahim Boichi. And certainly rape is not a nonviolent crime by any stretch of the imagination. So he was released while awaiting trial on a charge of rape. Well, there had been a court session and a woman had testified against him. I believe that woman was his victim. And he went out and killed her. He shot her to death. Later, the cops, along with federal marshals, tracked him down in Maryland. And they chased him. And he crashed his car. And he took that gun and he turned it on himself and he killed himself. Well, clearly, those who argued, and in this case, it came before a judge, his attorneys brought it before the judge. The judge agreed with the attorneys. Those who argue that it is endangering the health, maybe even the lives of people who are incarcerated to keep them in closed quarters with other people, that's an argument. 
But when you have this kind of a consequence to the argument, it's harder to support it, much harder to support it. Now, you might say, Gary, you're sensationalizing. This is the extreme example, and it's unfortunate that this happened, but this is an outlier, and you shouldn't take one example and superimpose it upon other people. And maybe under other circumstances, that would be a fair argument. But we also know that in New York City, not just because of the coronavirus, that's one of the reasons they've unlocked the doors to the cells. But even before that, bail reform, which is a state issue, by the way, Bail reform caused for the release of prisoners. Now, let's understand the argument. The argument is people are to be held in jail to ensure their appearance in court because in our society, in our Legal system, you are presumed innocent until proven guilty. And it's unfair, the bail reform advocates will tell us, that a person such as myself who may be able to afford bond or have a house to put up as collateral against that bond should be able to breathe free air until a trial date is set Then, of course, if I were to be found guilty, that's another story. I could be sent to prison. But why should I be able to walk around free because I can afford to use the system to my advantage, but a poor person cannot? That's inequitable, and so they pass the bail reform. But what has happened as a result of the bail reform, exacerbated by the COVID because, well, the court system ground to a halt So it wasn't even a short-term release from jail. It was a long-term release from jail. Well, they're saying in New York City that the crime has spiked because of the coronavirus. They're saying in New York City, hundreds of prisoners, I'm sorry, not because of the coronavirus specifically, but because of the bail reform. They're saying hundreds of prisoners released from Rikers because of bail reform and because of the coronavirus, have reoffended. No consequences because they arrest people today in New York City and they give them a ticket to appear, which on the street is referred to a ticket to disappear. They're not held in jail. According to the Chief of Crime Control Strategies for the NYPD, of approximately 2,500 defendants who were sprung from Rikers early, at least 250 have been arrested again. So you could say, yes, this one situation was an extreme. But the Fact of the matter is, since the system has broken down because of a combination of bail reform 
in New York and COVID across the nation, people are being released who otherwise wouldn't have been released, and many of them are committing crimes in the interim. And why not? Stop and think about it. If I'm a criminal and I'm ripping and running and stealing, thieving, assaulting, and we have the coronavirus, so there are no jobs anyway. I probably have a record, so who wants to hire me? So I'm going to turn to what I know. Survival of the fittest on the street. And combine that with the fact that many police officers, not all, but many, are reticent to do their job the way they used to do their job because there is this movement against the police because of what happened in Minneapolis. And you've seen the signs, you've heard the slogans, F the police, even kill the police, disband the police, defund the police. The president of the lieutenant's union at the NYPD, not too terribly long ago, sent out a message to all of his members, urging them to be especially cautious because cops were being set up on scenes. The police would be called out for a disturbance, say, and when they get there, some people would get in their face and provoke the officers. And then when the officers respond, somebody else a compatriot of those individuals is standing there with an iPhone, videotaping it, putting it on social media. Maybe it gets picked up by the news media. It goes viral. And now in New York City, if you're a police officer and it is perceived that you have done something that you ought not to do, before you might be subjected to disciplinary action. I know there are those who argue The disciplinary action is not swift enough, is not robust enough, and they want accountability where they feel that there hasn't been accountability. But today, they've changed the law to where not only could you lose your job, you could lose your freedom. You may be the one who's arrested, and it'll be interesting to see if that happens to any officers in New York City whether those officers are granted bail. Okay, those are my thoughts. Love to hear what you think. And as I always say at the end of our little discussions, peace out.